that amazing uh, introduction. Um, am I on? I'm, I'm good. Can everyone hear me? Fantastic. Hey, hey, Mikey, I just want to also give a quick plug for Mike as well. Like, Mikey left out the fact that Yoshi also came on some of our holidays as well with us. And there was a time we slept on the couch and you came on a holiday. But Mike and I, we go way back, as, as Mike says. And um, it was really fun times. We served in youth together. We did, started 1830 together. We went on mission trips together. We shared hotel rooms together on mission trips. And my life has never been the same after that. But now we kind of, now, we, now we're all kind of grown up. We have kids. Um, he's the treasurer of our church, Mike. He's got, um, we sit on the SLT together and we have fun doing that um, and living out our lives um, in leadership together at FJ. And so uh, one thing I love about FJ is the fact that we have, uh, we've grown, a lot of us have grown up together and we see that the relationships that have formed last long t- a long time. And, and so look, I, I'm very happy that we can all kind of meet back in person. It is, as Mike said, it is so good to see us coming back and, and things starting to open up. It's great to have uh, a sanctuary that's full of people. I'm looking forward to the weeks to come where we're going to be opening up. I'll be talking about that in, in just a second. But today we've got our leaders here, as Michael mentioned. Um, it's great to see so many of our leaders here. We've got something like 100 people in the sanctuary, and some of you are at home um, watching us as well. And I'll say welcome to everyone online. Um, last week we spoke a little bit about Chris, at the start of his message, spoke about our roadmap forward for the um, in terms of opening up as, as a church. And I want to talk into those de- details a little bit and explain what's coming up because it's important that we get this because we are very excited. We've all been preparing our pastoral team, our staff team. We're all preparing for, for life as we come back. Um, we are going to be taking very intentional steps to come back to meet in person over the next two weeks. Um, 28th of November, put those dates in your diary because that is that, that date is very important for us because we are opening up our services. Um, we spoke uh, last week, Chris spoke last week on how the 28th, um, as the Victoria opens up, we're going to be doing that in a very intentional, very safe way where we're going to be opening our, t- our two services at 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, as we know in Victoria, there is a bit of a differential a differentiation between the uh, the vaxxed and the unknown status. And so on the 28th of November, what, November, what you're going to see is that our 10 a.m. service will be kind of opened up for the fully vaxxed. And we're hoping to be able to pack out this place. And then at 4 p.m., um, we're not even going to be checking vaccination status. We're going to going to be going by government government guidelines in terms of our density lim- limits and caps that we have. But you're welcome to come, um, and we won't be checking vaccination at the door for that service at 4 p.m. Uh, so we'll do. Uh, it, um, Having said that, um, today is our leaders' day, and last week we had our leaders' meeting, all these meetings after service, and uh, we have a great uh, group of leaders who have seen us through this lockdown. Now, I want to uh, pay appreciation to our leaders today, even before I get started, that um, the last two years have been difficult. and. Uh, the stories that have come out from our, our leadership teams, our home groups, our ministries, I think is a testament to the type of leadership that we have at our church. And so we, today we've deliberately opened up for our leaders because our leaders themselves want to lead by example. And so they're here today. Next week, Mike spoke about how uh, it's still going to be a closed service next week. But we're opening up for our volunteers. You know, over the last couple of years, we've been off and on in terms of coming back to, to, to service. Uh, it's been like stop, start. We're, we're hoping that now that as we open up for the, for the 28th, this is life as church as we know it. Um, and so what we're hoping that on the, on the 21st is that 
we want our volunteers to come back, our Sunday service volunteers to come back uh, to church. And um, a lot of our teams, uh, we... Uh, we don't know exactly who's part of a, n- a number of our teams, our media team. And Nick was telling me that in his team, he probably needs like 40, 50 helpers to be rostered on in a month. And over that course of the lockdown, we, uh, a few of them are dropped off. We also need new people to come be part of the media team. And he needs a lot of people to just to help out, our ushers as well. We need more ushers because, you know, there is no more, there's more things we need to do in the morning. We need to check people in now. We need to kind of help people uh, do their QR codes and check people in our ticketing system, all that sort of stuff. We need more ushers. And so if, if you are already helping out, we want you to come next week and book a ticket at the, at the, at the link on your screen. But we also, if you're not helping out and you want to help out on the Sundays coming up, please come and be part of our service next week. Unfortunately, you've got to be fully vaxxed, um, but we want you to become to part of that service next week so we can train, we can brief you about how life will be as we come back to in-person meetings. Um, just another quick note for the 28th. Uh, Chris spoke last week about how over the last couple of years, the one thing that suffered the most in our, in, in, in our lives is, is not so much finances even, um, it's, it's relationship. And so we as a church have taken very intentional steps to come back to meet in person because we, we believe from a leadership level, um, our boards met, our staff team met, and there's a unanimous unity amongst our leadership teams that, you know, true discipleship for us as a church in FGA specifically is done for relationship, for interaction, for fellowship, for doing life with one another. And so one of the big moves that we're making on the 28th um, is that we're going to be shutting down our streams on the, the 28th of November, uh, which means that our YouTube, Facebook stream will be switched off. However, we're starting a Zoom um, service where uh, for whatever reason you can't make it for a service, you'll be able to tune in on Zoom. You'll be able to interact on Zoom. Like for, t- for example, today, I know my, um, Mike's family uh, has the sniffles a little bit. That, uh, my family has the sniffles. They're going for it. They've already been COVID tested. They're all negative, but they just don't feel comfortable at coming to the service. And that's fine. You can jump on Zoom. That's what Zoom is there for. And so what we're hoping to do is that people, that you'll come back, that you'll support us in coming back because I feel, I feel like uh, this next season for us is actually a very important season for us as a church as we move back into what it looks like to, to move into face-to-face meeting again. Okay, so that's what's happening over the next couple of weeks. It's really important. Please put those dates in the diary. Please book your tickets for next week. Uh, we are very excited at seeing more and more people come back on a Sunday service. I cannot wait to see um, the faces I haven't seen for so long on a Sunday. Let's get straight into the Word of God. It's um, good to see that I'm preaching to a crowd. I think the last two times I preached at church, there was like five people here. So it's good to have real people. Please show some reaction. I really do miss it. But let's pray and let's commit today's word to to the Lord. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, that we can come back and meet in your house again. And so thank you for, for everyone who's here in this place. And thank you for everyone who's at home as well. We thank you, God, for receptive hearts, that hearts will be open today, even as your word is delivered, God. I pray, Lord, even as I talk about patience and gentleness, I pray, Lord, that uh, we, in our heart of hearts, God, will be, we'll be able to... Uh, um, be convicted in some way in our own lives, be challenged in some way in our own lives, God, as I speak from your word. Use me, God, mightily, God, as I, as I even try to speak um, the truth from the, from the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just to let you know, Pastor Chris is not here today. He's actually speaking in the Chinese ministry. He'll be back a bit later on. Um, 
um, during the service, um, but he's speaking at the Chinese ministry. Great things are actually happening in Chinese ministry during the lockdown. I know we haven't seen them too much, but it's, it's actually going really well over there as well. Hey, so we, we are doing um, the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to let you guys power the slides. I think it's turned off here. Um, but um, we've been going through, we, we're kind of on the tail end of going through the fruit of the Spirit. We call this series Fruit BTS, Fruit by the Spirit. I won't go too much into the background, but, we've done, but we looked out, started out with love. Chris spoke out with love, and love is a, is a fruit that is the foundation of all the other fruit. Then we, we also done joy and peace over this time. And, and then the last couple of weeks, been talking about um, goodness and kindness. Pastor Roland talked about kindness. So you remember Pastor Roland's message on kindness, how he listed out all the duties of a pastor. Um, who remembers that one? I remember that one because that one, it makes you, it just amazes you at how much a pastor really does. And, so, and then Chris last, last week spoke about goodness. And so today we're talking about patience and gentleness. And I want to get straight into it because there's a lot to get through. I am choosing two fruit to do today. Um, Chris and I always joke around, it's not a competition. I want to tell Chris he's not here. I'm doing two fruit. You only did one fruit last week. So so when you listen back to this, Chris, believe it, I am winning the competition right now. All right, so look, I, I feel like... When it comes to patience and gentleness, there is a bit of a perception issue when it comes to patience and, and, and gentleness. Um, Everyone loves love, everyone's joy, everyone's wants goodness. Kindness is something that, you know, is really cool and it's, it's, it's very trendy to be kind in today's world. Like, there's, uh, there's projects out there, kindness projects, all sorts of projects out there for kindness. But when it comes to patience and gentleness, it's almost this perception issue that the more you pursue, the more you have of this, means that, you're, that, that you are weak, this idea that patience and gentleness, the more you have is in your life, the weaker you are. Let me explain that to you a little bit because I feel like if we can get this understanding, it makes us realize why we actually don't pursue it as hard as we, we should be pursuing something like patience and gentleness. I think when you look at patience, uh, no one likes to wait. The more passive you are, you know, the more you wait. With patience has this, this idea that, you know, that you you're lazy, that you don't want to do anything, that you know, you're just very happy with the status quo. We almost make it out like someone's being patient at work for a promotion. Oh, this person's not driven. They're not a go-getter. Why would they ever get a promotion in their life because they're just sitting back and not doing anything? Patience has this mindset sometimes in our life. Society builds us up with this mindset that patience itself is passive. It's weak. Then we look at gentleness. And we go, oh, man, that person is so gentle. He's just so nice. Any, we can ask him anything in the world, and he'll just say yes. Oh, my goodness. I know who I'm going to ask because that person is just super nice. And, and gentleness has his, his mindset that, you know, that people can just bulldoze you over. I, I think when we talk about gentle people, sometimes we have this mindset that, you know, that they're not driven. You know, we live in a world where dog eats dog, you know, tough gets tougher. And, you know, when yet... We look at gentle people and we think, that, oh my goodness, they always give in. They're not driven. And so when we think about these two fruit that I'm talking about today, so often there's a perception issue around it that we think that because you have it and because you are st- strong in this area, you must be weak. But I, w- I want to speak into that today and talk about that a little bit because I don't think that's, that's the case at all. I think the Bible shows that and I think that even if we pl- um, play the argument out, that, that is so far from the tr- truth. You know, the Bible talks about in 1 Timothy 6.11, um, Paul talks to Timothy, and he talks about how we need to pursue patience and gentleness. You know, he says in First Timoth- Timothy 6 verse 11, it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, 
godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. These things are not automatic in our life. Paul's telling Timothy, you have to pursue these things. You have to actively pursue these things to, to get these things, to exhibit these things, to cultivate these things. I love the fact that we're doing the fruit of the Spirit because the fruit of the Spirit are things that we need to cultivate in our lives. It's not things that come automatically to us. We need to cultivate them. The Holy Spirit will help us get them, but, we, but they don't come automatically to us. And so Paul talks to Timothy and says we need to pursue patience and gentleness. You know, I, I think there's, there's reasons why we find, and if I could just touch on patience just for a little while, is that if that's all right. Patience itself, there's a, there's a few reasons why we find patience so difficult in our lives. You know, who here likes to wait? For you at home, no one has just put their hands up in this place just to let you know. Um, no one likes to wait. Um, I hate to wait in traffic. Dr. Google himself, did you Google how long do you wait in queues on Google? You'll get all sorts of responses, but in the average lifespan, you will probably wait in queues for something like five years of your life in queues. That's how long you wait for. No one likes to wait. You know, I hate sitting in traffic. You know, I had, we, my family and I had this smart idea on Melbourne Cup Day that it was a nice 30 degree day. Why don't we go to the beach? Right? We thought we skipped the crowds. Everyone's watching the Melbourne Cup. Everyone's doing other things. Let's go to the beach. All right? So we, we, we go to Chelsea, and I discover that 50,000 other people have the same idea as I do. It takes, me, I get over, it takes me double time to get there. By the time I find a car park, get the kids our fish and chips for lunch, it's 3 o'clock, and we almost have to come home at 5 o'clock already. No one likes to wait. You should have seen me in the car that day. I was the most impatient driver trying, to, trying to, to overtake cars, get in and out just to save a few minutes of my life. You know, at the same time, no one, no one likes to like, wait. We've, I've got a family. No one likes to wait with kids. Like, who's got kids here? Kids hate to wait. Um, every sermon that I'm here, I need to speak an example of Disney World because I feel like a senior pastor brainwashes us so much with Disney World. I have to give an example. But back in, back in a few years back, we were, we were at Disney World and the Frozen ride had just opened up. And I'm not as organized as, as, as Chris. He organizes his Disney trips two years in advance. I organized mine two days in advance. And so we, haven't, we didn't, never booked fast passes. For, fast passes are a way that you can, you can get a pass for a, for a ride and you can bypass the line. Uh, we never did that. And so we thought we'd be, we'll try to be smart and we'll try to get in early to the park and rush to the frozen ride and beat, and beat the whole line. Once again, thousands of other people had the same idea. <laughs> And so we rush there, rush there, rush there, and we get there, and there's a sign on the ride saying that you have to wait 70 minutes for the ride. And so we waited 70 minutes. We wasted 70 minutes of our lives waiting for a ride, a kid's ride. And one thing worse than waiting is waiting with your with kids that just want to go on a ride. And no one likes waiting. And I think technology itself, if we look at our lives today, technology itself um, have led us to this, for us to be, accustomed for things just to move fast in our lives. We upgrade. I just upgraded my laptop, upgraded my phone, basically because the ap application on my, on my laptop wasn't opening fast enough. So I thought it's time to upgrade. We upgrade our technology because things don't load fast enough. We live in a world now where um, it's things just go at breakneck speed and technology is one of those things I think has driven a lot of that in our lives where we have become more and more impatient in our lives. Um, you, can't, you compare that to years ago when, you know, the 
farmers, you know, when farmers used to grow their own crops, they used to kind of cultivate their own um, fruit and veggies, and they would spend time waiting patiently for for their for their their veggies to grow. And now we just buy it from the shop. Our life now is just geared towards impatience. Um, There are so many problems in our lives um, that come out of us not understanding uh, and trying to be patient. You know, you, we look at you know, our country, we look at the Western society today even. You look at the debt problem we have in society, society today where the whole idea that I want something now, so I'm just going to put it on credit, I'm going to pay for it later. You know, the whole idea that I can't wait to save enough money for something, so I'm just going to... To, to, to buy it now and think about it later puts us in a level of problem, of debt in our society today. So many people do that and end up not being able to even pay later on, end up in, in huge amounts of debt and huge amount of issues for their lives and for their family. We look at relationships. We look at how you know people, in even in their relationships, can't wait for marriage and sexual disease now is widespread throughout society today. There are problems when, we c- when patients... Is not, uh, is not in our lives. Um, There's a book that I think even Chris spoke about earlier on, one of, the, one of his messages called 4,000 Weeks. And I've read it as well. It's a secular book about time and how to use your time. It talks about this whole concept of this impatient spiral that, that we can get ourselves into. It's, it's a dangerous spiral that we get into. It starts with the premise that we, we feel as though it's our right to have things move at the speed we desire. And when it doesn't happen, the result is that we, we grow more and more frustrated. We grow more and more miserable in our lives. It leads us to become even more impatient in our lives. As the world gets faster and faster, we believe that our happiness, our financial survival depends on our ability to be able to work and move and make things happen at superhuman speed. We grow anxious about not being able to keep up. And so what happens, we try to move faster and faster through life. We try to become more efficient. We try to fit more into the day. We try to, to, to get better at how we work. But what happens is that we just become more and more impatient with life as we know it. And the book itself talks about how that whole spiral, it's almost like this addiction that gets born out in our lives where we know that, we, we know that we should stop accelerating in our lives, but we can't because every time we, get, we try to fix something, every time we try to move forward, we, we think we have to do things faster, better. And out of that becomes this whole addiction to this impatient spiral to one day we realize that we can't do it anymore. And I think one of the big things that happens as we, as we try to become more and more impatient in our lives, it actually works against us. It actually becomes more and more counterproductive. The more we try to fit in, the more we try to do, the more impatient we become, become the more counterproductive it actually becomes in our life. Take this for example. The book brings up this example. Who gets really impatient driving um, their car to places? Like out of lockdown, Right, I've realized how much driving I do. That all the kids' programs that I'm racing to, it was great. Part of lockdown was so good where, you know, kids' guitar lessons were on Zoom. You know, the, you didn't have to wake up to rush to work. But now it's like I'm rushing here. Swimming lessons just started. Soccer just started. And, I, and oh, my goodness, it feels like I'm rushing from one place to one place. And I'm always trying to catch up. And in you're in your car 
sometimes and you're trying to get to a place, you're trying to shave off that extra couple of minutes to get to a certain place. You're in your car and, and you're at a traffic light and you're sitting behind a, and someone else's car and the light is red. And as you sit there, you're so impatient that you start to creep up on the other car. Anyone ever done that before? And you think, oh, I'm, by doing that, it's just going to save me that extra 10 seconds if I can just get ready to go. And my wife hates it. She goes, oh, you're so impatient. All right? And, and, but when the light goes green, what you realize is that you actually cannot accelerate as fast as everybody, right? Because what's happening is that you've got to watch out for the car in front of you. The car that you crept up so close to, now you've got to even accelerate even slower. So the more impatient you are, actually makes you more less like it actually works against you doesn't it take for example your work all right sometimes we're working so far so hard and what happens often is that you're trying to fit so many things in a day all right and you're working faster and faster and faster and whatever inevitably happens is you miss out on things you miss out on details you miss out on doing things that you should be doing and what it turns out when you finally try, try to finish you realize you you haven't actually finished because you missed out a whole stack of stuff. You come back and you have to complete everything that you missed out on. It actually takes a lot longer to finish those things. You know, who's got uh, kids here? You know, uh, my kids are a little bit older now, but, you know, toddlers. You know, sometimes when we're trying to get to church, I know how it was trying to get to church on time. Trying to get toddlers out that door when they don't want to. Put your shoes on, go to the toilet, use the bathroom, hurry up, just get in the car, right? Um, but and all just to kind of save that just a little bit of time, to 10 seconds, 15 seconds. But it comes to a point where sometimes it, suddenly it breaks and your toddler has a meltdown. Who knows that's happened? And suddenly your, 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 your desire to save that one minute of your life actually costs you a lot longer in your life. See, we can go through this impatient spiral in our lives as we try to get faster and faster in our lives, as we try to get more and more impatient, that it actually leads us to, this, to an addiction which is actually counterproductive in our lives. And we start to realize then that, that actually patience itself is not just is not no longer just a weakness, but is actually a form of power in our lives. A uh, power to be able to choose, pick, to know what to do and what not to do. It becomes a, uh, something that um, that we can need to hold on to, as as something that is is going to help drive our decisions going forward. And so I want to set that up as our premise today because I feel like sometimes we have this perception issue of what patience really is. It is not weakness. It is actually a form of power that we need to be able to, to harness in our lives. And so let's go into Scripture a little bit and talk about, you know, about patience through Scripture. You know, patience itself is a fruit of the Spirit. It, you know, we need the Holy Spirit to be able to cultivate patience uh, in our lives. In fact, in Romans 15:5, it says, "May God, who gives the, this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus." It tells us here that, that God is the one who gives us this patience. You know, we can try all we like to live out patient, godly lives, but ultimately, we need God to help us live a patient life. You see, we see patience in the life of Jesus. We see him in his early years when he was, uh, before his ministry started, he waited patiently before he 
actually had his ministry years. He he developed his, his skills with his father in carpentry. He learned his character was built through those years, waiting for the day he would actually step into the ministry that God that he was created for. We see him with his disciples on how he, he chose to people to follow him that weren't all together. They had their issues. They, they had um, imperfections all around them. Yet he chose them because he chose to wait to, to do life patiently, to watch them grow in a way eventually that they were into people that they would become, the promises that they would become. You know, in the, in, in the Bible, um, there's two, word, two Greek words that, um, two, that patience can be translated into. We, we look at patience as one word in Greek, there's two. Um, the first one's um, hupomone, which talks about steadfast in difficult circumstances. And then we have the other one, macrothumia, which talks about long-suffering, enduring. And that second word there is actually the word that is used in the fruit of the Spirit. And you, and you see these words, steadfast in difficult circumstances. It means you're holding firm in, in, some, in, in, a, in, in situations that are difficult. And it's long-suffering. It's, you realize that patience itself is not just a passive thing. The intention for the word patience, when you look at it from the Bible's perspective, it's not something that you just sit there and be lazy and just sit there and wait and do nothing. It actually is something that we have to activate and do in our lives. It's an active active thing in our life. I, lo- I love it how Joyce Meyer says that um, in this statement that patience is not the ability, the ability to wait, but how you act while you are waiting. Um, I think mean, that kind of captures this whole idea that patience itself is not something that we just sit back and do nothing. Yeah. Perhaps there are two Two, two parts of patience in our lives that maybe we struggle with and maybe we need to kind of talk about today. I think two of these things are you know, patience with God. Often, you know, we look at, you know, we look at, we, in a, we look at God and go, God, now, we want it now, we want this now, we want the promises that you have in store for us now. Uh, we are wired that way. I spoke about that earlier on, that we are just wired in such a way that things just happen fast and we want it to happen quickly in our lives. And sometimes we, have to, we, we need patience with God. And I think in Hebrews uh, 6, verse 11 to 15, it talks about Abraham. It says, We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for, for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who, who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will bless you and give you many descendants. And then in verse 15 it says, And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. You know, the promises that Abraham had was received through his faith and through patience. It took him 25 years to realize the promises that God had for his life. You know, God's timetable is not always in sync with ours. You know, Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in His time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. You know, biblical patience 
as is, is, is brave, enduring perseverance. And sometimes, in, you know, when it comes to God's promises, we take a short-term view on, on how long it takes to reach God's promises. I want to tell you that sometimes in our lives, when it comes to waiting on God to reach His promises, we need patience. We need this idea that, you know, we, that we wait, we persevere, we endure, just like Abraham did in our lives to see God's promises. And I, and I, and I think that's a real challenge for us because sometimes we're just not wired that way. When we come to God, you know, we want God to give us an answer, but sometimes we need to wait. Sometimes patience is what God wants for us to realize the promise that He has for our lives. I look at FGA today, and a lot of us here, we have a group of leaders here today. A lot of our leaders here have journeyed with us for many, many years. I see some of you here who were with us from the very start of FGA. But then there's a whole lot of other people I know that only come, come to our church over maybe over the last one, two, three years, and they've seen a church that is you know, that is of a certain size. They see the blessings that God has given us. They see the building that we're in, and it's a, like God has blessed us with so many things. Like, And, I, and I'm so grateful grateful for that, but a lot of us miss the patience that, has, that many leaders in the past have, 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 have actually exhibited to get to us, get to, to FJ, to the place where we are today. I remember, you know, times where we were renting venues and un unloading vans, you know, and all because we had to, had to put a service on. We had, didn't have enough money to buy our own building, and we had to do that week after week. And the patience and endurance that some of our faithful members showed, you know, is, that's the reason why we're here today. You know, I still remember sitting in, the, in, in Ellingworth Parade and, you know, we're thinking about even about buying this property and we were so not sure about it. And we allow God to be God in His time for us to get this property. Like we waited 20-something years to get this property. I see patients littered all over our leadership. And that's why I feel, that's why I believe that God's promises has come to pass in a lot of areas of our church today. The fact that we're in Whitehorse was a promise that God had given us years and years ago. I still remember um, us talking about being a light in Whitehorse and, and even sitting back as a young kid growing up in the church wondering, is that really true? The property prices are going up. How will we ever stay in Whitehorse? And God gave us that promise because we waited. Sometimes we need to wait on God um, in patience. It builds our character. It builds our faith. Second thing I want to talk about is patience with others. Um, so we so must be patient with others. Um, this is a line that I'm so convicted with in my life personally. People are always growing. Um, we need to be patient with people that are growing. So most people I know are want to grow. There are, sure, there are people that don't want to grow and tell you, ah, I'm, I'm just happy where I am. But most people I know actually want to grow. And, but we get so concerned sometimes at trying to see someone get from A to B that we rush that process, that we have no tolerance for that person from getting from A to B. Who, that we, we have no tolerance for that person um, who's growing in their faith. Um, Paul speaks into this. He goes in Ephesians 4 verse 1, to two. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. Now, the Amplified Version of this says, with patience and making allowances because you love each other. You know, it talks about this idea that, you know, we, we walk with each other 
in patience. We give each other time to grow, to be nurtured, to kind of move into a, a, a place which is closer to, to Christ, to be more like Christ. We need to have patience with others so often. You talk to people and they have no patience. Oh man, if they just would hurry up and do this or be that or you know be like this, you know we 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 don't have enough patience. I think God challenges us that we need to be people of patience in people's as we as we looked to seeing people grow in their walk with Christ. There's a rule of thumb that I live by, and it says that be kind and patient as you would like others be to you. Yeah. Um, there's, look, I want to say there's no excuse for sinful behavior, and I think like you, you have to call that out. But I think in the majority of cases, we need to have more patience when it comes to others. You know, often when we're patient, what you'll find um, is that as we are more and more patient in our lives, often there is a, like what I call persecution that takes place in our life, uh, for, for lack of a better word. Um, Often when there is no real reward in sight and um, offerings, off, very often there are people in our lives that will persecute us because we are in our, in our, conscious, in our con- consciousness that we are doing what we feel is right before God. And I, I, some of you have been in that place before where perhaps, you know, you've been, you know, you've been trying to do what is right before God and it maybe it's not going at the same time frame as what others assume it should be. And as a result, you suffer at the hands of these people, whether it be your family members, whether it be, could be your employees, could be your workmates, could be your friends even. And there are times where you, we go through this. And um, in 1 Peter 2, verse 19 and 20, let me just say, uh, in, Peter talks into this as well. He says, For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Do good and suffer. If you take it patiently, this is, com- is commendable before God. Sometimes, sometimes... We'll go through some suffering. A lot of Christian lives will go through suffering because we the right the right thing to do. I want to put it out there because it's, it can be hard sometimes to be patient with others. It can be hard to wait on God. But that, that, that should never stop us from doing the right thing before God. But so many times that even as we're waiting, as we, we're suffering at the hands of people, you know, not everyone is gentle. Not everyone exhibits in their lives gentleness in their lives. And, 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 and this is why I want to talk about this, se- this second fruit, which I think actually is, is, is actually really important for our lives as well. As I said, gentleness is something that we, we know we should be doing, but oh my goodness, sometimes it's really hard because we're faced with people who actually come against us in our lives. And to be gentle in our lives is actually really difficult. You know, the idea of gentleness in our lives um, in different translations in the Bible um, Gentleness and meekness are two words I use interchangeably in the Bible. And meekness, however, for our modern day society, this Western society we live in today, actually has in the word meekness actually a sense of weakness. I don't know if you use the word meek. Often you use it as a word that, you know, you look at somebody and go, oh, that person's meek, meaning that he's weak. It's meek as a mouse, you know, and, and we think of that in that, in that sense. Um, it's almost like you're powerless to help yourself if you're meek. Um, and, and, and that's why I think sometimes we, we push away from being gentle because we often think that brings out a sense of weakness in our lives. But 
if you look at the Bible, you look at what the fruit of the Spirit was meant to be like. It was never meant to be a something. It was never meant to be a weakness. In the Greek, it was meant to be this idea of it was of power and strength under control. In the Greek, when you talk about a wild animal, it's like this this idea of this wild animal that. It, has all this strength, it can do whatever it likes, but it's, it's tame. It, it controls its power, it controls its viciousness because it's tamed. He knows when to use it and when not to use it. That's the idea that, um, that the meekness is spoken about in the context of Scripture. It talks about gentleness as the fruit of the Spirit. We t- we, that's why we're doing Spirit of the Spirit now. We need to exhibit these qualities. If we are to have the Holy Spirit living in our lives, we should be gentle. Um, 1 Timothy 3 verse 3 talks about how it's a qualification for leadership in our lives. Um, and, and overall, you see this word gentleness play out in Scripture time and time again. But how does it play out in our lives practically is the question I feel a lot of us have. You know, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 23, verse 26, it gives us a clue on how we should act around people. Paul talks to Timothy again and says, Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. You know, Scripture says that, um, that we need to be able to gently instruct those around us. It's, it means that many times it can be the, the only way that we can get through to somebody. What I've discovered is that in life, Gentleness disarms somebody. It, you come up against somebody who's different. You come up with someone who's, who's coming in, who's arguing with you. Gentleness, I find, disarms people. You know, Paul himself, you know, he was firm sometimes. Like, I don't know if you realize when you read through the, through the New Testament, Paul was firm in the way he acted. He went out there. He, he, um, he, he, in Galatians, we've been doing that in the home group series. He stood up to Peter when he thought something wasn't right. He was firm when he stood up to the sorcerer when he thought someone was right. But in all his letters that he wrote, it was bathed with this idea of gentleness as he spoke about issues in their life. You know, we, we read in, in Corinthians how he appealed to them with a spirit of gentleness in Corinthians 10, 2 to, uh, Corinthians 10 verse, uh, verse 1. He, Paul, he says, now I Paul, appeal to you with gentleness and kindness of Christ. It's this, this whole idea of, in his words itself, was this idea of gentleness that kind of was radiating from him. In Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians 2 to 7, he talks to the church of Thessalonia. And he says, but we were gentle among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionate, affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but with our own selves because you had become very dear to us. He talks from this gentle spirit. Paul, yes, he would talk firmly, but more so to as he spoke, as he wrote letters to the churches around him, he would, this was this air of gentleness that came out of him. Because he knew that that was the best way to disarm somebody, to get through to somebody. When we are gentle, people listen. People are more inclined to listen. 
You know, Proverbs 25, I'm not going for a lot of scripture because I, I feel like scripture actually speaks to us on this. But if Proverbs 25 verse 15 says, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded and a gentle tongue can break a bone. An amplified version says, be patient and, and have a calm spirit. A ruler may be persuaded and a soft and gentle tongue breaks the bone of resistance. A gentle speech can break down the bone of resistance. What we say and what we do often is how we can break down areas of resistance in our lives. And perhaps even as I kind of talk through gentleness, like some of you are thinking, oh man, it is so hard sometimes to do this. And maybe some of the barriers for you fall into a couple of these categories for us. Some of the barriers that we have when it comes to gentleness, if you think about our lives, and if I could be quite real with us today, um, one of the, two of the biggest areas that I feel like for us that is a barrier to us at being gentle is our inability to handle and deal with offenses and differences. When people come up against us with a different mindset, with a different argument, the first thing to do is try to win the argument, to get our way, to kind of put our walls up, to try to debate, to try, that's our, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be with our kids, whether it be with our our workmates, often if we cannot handle differences and offenses in our life, very often the first thing that happens in our life is that we cannot we kind of act out of, it, out, of, out, of, out of a spirit of gentleness. Yeah. A second one, I just want to quickly go through these because I want to land this message on and a real application for us is, is pride. I think when we start to look at ourselves as our way is the only way in our lives, when our, we elevate our, to ourselves to the point where we're right all the time, you know, we cannot exhibit gentleness in our lives. These two things kind of need to die to ourselves in order for us to be able to exhibit gentleness in our lives. It's not easy. I know it's not easy, but, uh, but oh my goodness, if we started to understand that gentleness uh, is so important for our lives, we would see that uh, we, we would see our relationships change. We would see the, the way we operate as Christians, as in our families, in our homes, in our church even. I th- we, would see peop- we would see people transformed by that. You know, Jesus himself was the epitome of patience and gentleness. He is our example, our prime example of what it looks like. He was the, uh, he, Jesus is God. He is the most powerful being to ever have walked this earth. He could have done anything and any free, everything that he wanted to. Jesus had, the, uh, he had available to himself the most power that any person on this earth could ever have. Yet, he was the epitome of patience and gentleness. W.E. Vine, a Greek scholar, said this, Jesus was not meek because he couldn't help himself, but because he had infinite resources of heaven at his hand. Jesus, at one snap of a finger, one thought, one word, could have called down 12 legions of angels to destroy his enemies. He chose not to because he, even though he had the power, he chose not to. That is what gentleness is about. Having the, knowing you have the power, but knowing when to use it. Jesus himself, when he walked in, you know, he came in on a donkey. He could have come in on a stallion. He could have come in on, on whatever he liked. He chose to humble himself. That's what gentleness is about. You know, he chose to, f- to not to fight back when people arrested him. He chose because he wanted to see the promises of, of God come to pass for us today. 
You know, he chose to, to still forgive when he was on that cross, even though he didn't have to. You know, that's what gentleness is all about. And I think we see that in the life of Jesus. And that's what we need. You know, I, 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 patience and gentleness in, in, in our lives is, is not easy. I get that. Um, but the reason why I, I, I think that, or I know that, um, it, it is a way that we can change relationships is because it's happened in my life. Um, when Mike speaks about my life and, and how I see people, it's, it's because people, I've had a wealth of people in my life who have been patient and gentle in my life. If I could just kind of share my story. Some of you heard my story before, but, but I, I grew up in church. From a, from a young age, I was a Sunday school kid coming to church at eight years old, coming to church every week, sitting, you know, going to Sunday school and growing as a teenager in church. You know, I, we, we had a group of friends who probably back in the days, in the, well, I wasn't part of FJ back then, but we would sit in the back left-hand corner of the, sa- of the sanctuary every week. And every week we would come and we would sit there and we would wait for Sunday school to start. My friends would bring their video games to play in the back, we try to find the PowerPoint that they could plug their Game Boy, Game Boy in. And we would sit there every week after week. And, you know, and as we grew in our faith, there were the, I mean, I, sadly, uh, we, there, were, there were people within the church that, that looked at us and they wanted us to be growing in our faith. They wanted us to exhibit signs that we were growing in our faith. And that meant not playing video games in, in service, all right? And so we would get scolded all the time, and we would be, and people didn't have patience for our journey. People, the, 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 the type of language they used to us and, and spoke to our parents about wasn't one of gentleness. And sadly, over the years that I was involved in church, um, at that time, uh, we grew up, we went to youth group. You know, slowly what I saw was that, you know, my friends started to leave the church. And, um, and uh, the people that were speaking stuff to us, I mean, the intentions were good. What they were saying was probably the truth. It's just that the way they were saying it, ne- it felt as if it wasn't life-giving. And, and, and what happened was that over the, the years and years as I grew up in church, um, my friends around me started to leave because they didn't find there was a place there for them. And as I grew up, I went through my own journey myself in church, and I, I, I was in and out of church for a number of years in my, in my late, latter teenage years, and I came to FGA. Uh, my parents changed church, came to FGA, and discovered a, a new place. I thought it was a fresh start. Um, really hesitant about what church was really like, uh, thinking that church was about people who just, you know, when you get into church, they just want you to do this, do that, and, and look prim and proper because that was the goal of being a Christian. And, and I was just ready for the opposition that was faced um, coming to church and people speaking harsh words over my life. That's what I knew about uh, church. Coming here, though, I was faced with a whole different environment and people in my life. I had a youth pastor. I had new leaders that would, you know, that they would, they would come in and they would speak the truth to me, but they would speak it in a way 
that was gentle. That was, so I'll speak it in a way that they knew that that they uh, that they knew wanted to receive themselves, which meant that when they spoke something, I would listen. They they waited patiently. It took me years and years before I even came back fully into church life again. I remember there were camps where I would sit in camps and I'll be the kid that would be in their room not wanting to go to sessions. They waited camp after camp after camp in the hope that maybe one day I would actually be, you know, give God a go again. They gave me, it was years and years and years. And, and, and one day I did finally do that. And I think it was because of the patience and the gentleness that people around me that gave me that eventually created the environment for me to make that decision. And so when I speak about this, I, I've seen it firsthand in my life. When we start to, to deal with people in our lives, when we start to deal with relationships in our lives itself, you know, we need to come from a place of patience and gentleness. As I said, there are times where we have to act a firm hand, and I didn't get that doubt that as well. But, there, but in terms of the majority of times in our life, we need God to help us pursue and to cultivate this idea of patience and gentleness in our lives. You know, if church itself is going to be full of differences, it's going to be full of people that we, you know, that we take offense to, that it's going to be different to us, it's easy for us to not exhibit patience and gentleness. But man, can I tell you that patience and gentleness is actually a form of power that we need to cultivate because that is what is transformational. If I, as I, as, you know, even as, as I finish today, I, I want to challenge us as, as, as our church, you know, there, as we look out at others in our life, every one of us here, I would say, has relationships in our life with other people that we, maybe we might find it hard to get along well with. Maybe it's because they don't see our point of view. Maybe it's our, our kids that, you know, we want them to do something. We want to be, them to be something now that, that, they, they, that they haven't become yet. And we get impatient. We, we, we lash out. We become people who are not gentle and not patient with them. Maybe we need to change our strategy. Maybe we need to ask God, the Holy Spirit, to come and help us cultivate this area of patience and our gentleness in this relationship that we have. I think sometimes when we, uh, when, when we see people in our lives every day or you know, people that we work with, people that we live with and we discover that, that they're not changing, we give up on them too fast. Maybe we need a bit of patience. Maybe we need to have a bit of gentleness in our lives. I tell you, when you, if you start to do that, I think God can work in their lives. I think God can, can work in the lives of these people because that in that relationship. It's so important. Look, I want to leave it there. I want to pray for everybody. Um, we've, got, we've got a lot to do today. Um, but even as I go, I just everyone to close their eyes if you're at home or, or you're in this room. Can I just pray, if, if you know there's a relationship in your life perhaps that you've been struggling with and you've kind of, uh, you're finding it hard to, to break through in that relationship perhaps in your life and maybe your whole, whole strategy with that person is one where you are trying to, to, to win them over for your own strength, for your own uh, ability, maybe... God needs to help you in this area of gentleness in your life today. Can I pray for that? Jesus, I, I thank you, God, for your church. I thank you, God, that through your Holy Spirit, God, we can have the fruit living in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that for those here this morning, God, who are struggling even in maybe some of the relationships in their life and 
maybe it's been hard, maybe it's been years where they've struggled to, to get, get along with somebody or struggle to get through to somebody. Maybe it's their own family member. Maybe it's a workmate. I pray, Lord, that right now that you help them to, to see that, that, that you have the situation in your hands, that patience is something that comes from you. And maybe they need to kind of start to invest in patience in their life. They need to be, they exhibit gentleness in their life as well. I pray, Lord, that you'll give them the, the help, the, the ability to God to pursue these things in their life this morning, God. I pray, Lord, that they would wait just like you waited for us, God. And I pray, Lord, they'll have victory over these times in their life, in these relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I want to thank you for, for tuning in. Um,